Amen, amen. So I'm not going to be here uh, for you too long, but I got a message that I, I wrestled with myself as I prepared it for the past two weeks. I've been, you know, talking to God and, and trying to give a response, especially, you know, uh, look, we're about to hit 2020, you know, and that feels like, like, like 1999 was a couple of years ago. You know, I remember in 1999, everybody was worried about Y2K. I remember I was worried about Y2K, right? And I was one of those, I bought one of those Bunsen burners. Just in case, you know, you know, stuff, you know, you know, people thought that, you know, at the end of the year, you know, they're counting, you know, five, four, three, two, one, and guess what was still there? Their bills, you know, <laughs> electricity. Because remember, there was an individual pastor, I'm not going to say any names, who was saying that God's going to wipe your bills out and Y2K, and that didn't happen. And, you know, so, so here we are, you know, so, and then you, you, as you move forward, you start seeing something happen in 2000, and I think it was... Uh, lynch, linchpin in 99 at Columbine shooting was the first time we as America really saw a shooting at that level, right? And now as we move forward and we, things are progressing, here we are, you know, uh, uh, 2019, and we have two mass shootings in one day, and then you have another shooting that just happened with six cops that got shot up in Philadelphia. And the question is, and, and, and the sad thing about it is you, you go from 9-11, right? Twin Towers collapse. So, so there's a lot of stuff that's going on. And every time something like that happens, the first question people tend to ask is, where was God? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, they, they wrestle with it. You know, I, I can do good. My life is good. I'm having fun, making money. Things are good. I'm not asking for the presence of God when I'm doing good. But let something, t- catastrophe happen. Right? Sandy. And what did he ask? Where was this God? You know, and, and, and my thing is, I want to equip our people to be able to articulate this whole idea of, of, of you know, this concept of God. And I came across this amazing article, and I think it's a great article, and we're going to talk about it. And the first word we're going to discuss is this word. This is a word called theodicy. And theodicy is a, is a, is a theological term. And it's a term that's used for individuals when they're discussing the whole idea of, 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 of the, the, the evil, the, the whole idea of suffering, the whole idea of pain. And then you, you, the question is, if God is all-powerful, right, then why didn't he stop it? Right? If God is omnibenevolent, then why would he create this world? If God was all-loving... Why wouldn't his love stop this? So theodicy says, no, this suffering and pain has nothing to do with God's love, God's omniscience, God's omnipresence, God's omnibenevolence. It has nothing to do with it because there's this thing called free will. Right? And I'm going to go somewhere because, you know, people argue this, this fact, especially from a philosophical framework. You know, and I love what the Bible says. It, there's so many texts that, t- that talks and discusses this. But first of all, you know there's a problem when God is having a conversation with Israel. And he says, look, in, De- in Deuteronomy chapter 30, 19, he says, look, I'm, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. He says, based on your decision from here, this is Jamalism. It's not written like this in the text. He said, based on your decision from here, he said, I, got, I give you two options. One, choose good. Right? Choose right or choose wrong. 
He said, well, built into every choice that you make, there are a certain set of consequences. Consequences that you might experience now or consequences that might be experienced in your children's children. But there's, a, there's an option. You have an option right now. I put it in front of you. But you choose. See, people, they have a problem with this all-loving God. And they said that, that why couldn't God create a world where we would choose good? See, but if he did that, then that means we would still not be choosing to love him because we'll be wired and programmed. People say, oh, well, well, why did God put the fruit, you know, the, the tree in, in, in the garden? Because all true love is a choice, right? And if I have nothing to say no to and something to say yes to, then I'm not really choosing. I'll say it again. If I have nothing to say no to and only something to say yes to, then I'm not really choosing. So we have the argument of free will, which people have a problem with this. There's um, actually individuals who argue that there's no such thing as free will, that we're programmed beings. You know, and then uh, Ravi Zacharias asked the person, did you choose to ask that question? Or, or were you programmed to ask that question by free will? Okay. So these are two major things that we deal with. And somebody says, well, why wouldn't God stop it? If God would have intervened in every single situation, life as we know it would be different. They said if you really follow it backwards and look at it from a, 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 a scientific experiment, your existence might not either be here or might not uh, be the way it is if you would intervene. So I come up with this, this thing. That I came across this article, and it's a very great article. And, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm a comic guy. You know, I go to Comic-Con. I don't go dressed up. <laughs> you know, this, this body doesn't look good in uh, any, any of those outfits. Anyway, I look like... Thor, you know, so uh, in Endgame, not, not in Infinity War, so. <laughs> but a name of, gentleman by the name of Tim Stratton. Tim Stratton, and he wrote this article, and, and, and I think it was one of the best articles. And in this article, he's, he's talking about the Avengers Infinity Wars and Avengers Endgame. So here it is, Dr. Strange is going through the process, and, he's, he's, and what he's doing, he's acquiring information, he's looking, and he's, he's observing, and he goes through over 14 million scenarios, right? 14 million scenarios that, that leads to the, and this is what the article said, I, I, I want to make sure I don't misquote it, that the scenario in which Strange looked at, he said it was the best feasible world for that, so that it would have the greatest number of human flourishing for eternity, right? So, so, so the idea was he was going through all of this, looking and observing, and, and he came to a place where at 14, over 14 million scenarios that it would cause the most individuals to flourish, right? The most individuals, not all individuals, the most individuals, right? And, 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 and what, what Dr. Strange is doing is he's observing and he's looking and he says, wow, you know, all this is going on. Thanos is about to wipe out half the population on a universal scale, not just in the, in, in, in the, um, on land, not just man, animals, bugs, insects, everybody was going to be wiped out halfway. And here goes 
uh, Dr. Strange. And the thing about it is, this is how people think God works. And God observes. See, what happens is when you put God into that type of framework where he's observing, observing and then responding, he can't be the same guy yesterday, today, and forevermore, because that means that he is acquiring information. He's learning. See, what God has done is God actualized the best feasible world for man to live in because there's an ultimate good. People have a hard time because they, 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 put it this way, I used to be like this. I thought we were exempt from any catastrophe. I thought my dad was a pastor, he's doing his thing, people are being saved, so we got extra blessing. I, I, thought, I thought things were going good, that, that God was, was going to move in our life, that we're protected no matter what. I got to a point where I used to take it for granted until I got that one phone call. Your brother's being rushed to the hospital. He's not, not going to look like he's going to make it. And sure enough, when I get there, he passes. And that struck me. That hit me. That rocked my world because at one point where I thought that I can be exempt from Suffering and pain. I'm a Christian. I'm not those worldly individuals. I'm, not, I'm, I'm walking this walk and I'm talking this talk. I, I, I want to be a pastor myself. I'm doing my thing in this Christian walk. And next thing I know, boom. I thought I was exempt from it. And the mere fact is I had to wrestle with the idea that God actualized the best feasible world. And even in that feasible world was the loss of my brother at the age of 39. I had to accept that because I don't stop at that age of 39 because I understand that this thing called the, 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 the human life and the eternal life. See, and we as Christians, we, we, we can't get caught up just on, 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 on this, 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 this temporal life because if we're caught up on just this temporal life, then we find ourselves back into this despair, depression, stress, frustration and wanted to walk away from this faith because God didn't protect me. I prayed the prayer in the morning. And, and here it is. And, I, and I'm, Dora, I'm building up a picture. I'm building up a picture for us to understand that, that, that here it is, Dr. Strange, he, he thinks about the most feasible world, right? By making a decision, he gives the time stone to Thanos. Now here it is, they bring everybody back. Iron Man just got beat up. Dennis put the, you know, put the work on him, right? And he's looking at Dr. Strange. And Dr. Strange says, just, there's just one way. And get to the, in the movie. I don't want to ruin it for whoever didn't see it. Right? So you get to the end of the movie, and people stay in ovation. Excellent movie. Amazing. Wow, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe that happened. They were excited about it. Right? Dr. Strange was the man. But yet, then we have this God who actualizes a feasible world. Who actualizes a world that, that because of sin, there's death. Because of sin, there's, there's the individual that we love that's going to die. Whether it's through catastrophe, whether it's from somebody else's decision, no matter what it is. And we get frustrated with this God. But we could cheer on this, this Dr. Strange, and, and it's okay, you know, because this person died and, and that person died. And there were so many casualties of war, a bunch of individuals that died, but it's okay. Even though Dr. Strange made a decision knowing that people were going to die, society was okay with it. 
Society was, 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 was not wrestling with it. And I tell people, I said, so, so, so we, can, we can accept this, this movie, we can accept this concept of a movie, but then when it comes to real life, we have this whole idea of what God should do and how God should work. And, and if he doesn't work in accordance to the way we think he should work, we have a problem with that. This is what the guy, the author wrote down. He said, the greatest number of persons flourish and the evil of Thanos eventually conquered. He said, if I tell you what will happen to Tony Starks, it won't happen. If God would tell you the things you're going to deal with, it won't happen. But there's certain things that you go through that makes you a different individual that God can work with at another level. And people have a hard time accepting that. You know, and, 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 and people go, the, the statement is people are either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or about to go into a storm. To so in, out, or about to go in. And most of the time, the storms we're dealing with is from decisions, whether our decisions or somebody, somebody else's decision. I posted on, uh, on Instagram the other day, I said, um, you know, I, I made a quote that said, uh, uh, the devil's out here busy, and then the next statement was the devil. Now nah, I'm on vacation, I had the devil surfing on the weather. He said, y'all are doing it, you got it, chief. You know, and then, and then I, I did another quote, and I want to read this quote on my Instagram page, and, and, and I said this. I said, God, has no, God is no stranger to pain. When you cry to him, he is looking down on you and saying, here we go again. But he's leaning down, feeling every tear of betrayal, anxiety, and grief that you are, and that you are crying and saying, I know, I remember, I know. Because just like in the video, you got Jesus coming to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was aware of what was about to happen. And he's wrestling with the whole idea. And he's looking up. He's saying, Lord, if there's any other way. And God was like, there's just one way. If there's any other way to save Pastor Jamal, God's saying there's only one way. And this is what we have to be able to grab because people don't understand that God loves us, right? But God's love will never be antagonistic to his justice and his holiness. I'll repeat that. God loves us, but God's love will never be antagonistic to his holiness and his justice. His holiness, his justice, his love, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnibenevolence, and all the other attributes work in tandem with one another. They work consistent, one with another, never arguing, never fighting. So God's love will never compromise his holiness. People say, well, if God loves us, why doesn't he do this and do that? No, because he wants to make sure you make a, a, a free choice, Right? To walk and, 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 and enter a relationship with this Christ we serve because Christ is the only way. And the reason why he's the only way is because God is holy. 
And an unclean being cannot walk in the presence of holiness. Just because he loves you, he's not going to compromise his holiness. So there was a significant reason for this, this Jesus to come, this, this Savior to come, to bring us into a place where we can accept him in spite of what could happen. He said, now you can come in the presence of my holiness. Now you can understand the totality of who I am. And then that's where we can wrestle with the understanding that there's going to be suffering. There's going to be pain, but that will never negate the God we serve. And you've heard me say, you say this before. People argue, well, if, if, if there's evil, there can't be a God. Right? If there's evil, there can't be a God. See, but the, the question always is, is, is asked, if there's evil, what are you comparing it to? There has to be something you're comparing it to. So the only reason why you know evil is because you know good. The only reason why you know beauty is because you've experienced ugly. See, but you can't stop there. See, because good, right, we can accept that there's a God. There's less dialogue, less conversation. You know, if there's good, then there's the possibility of God. But once evil creeps up, once evil creeps up, see, but evil is a privation of good. Evil can't exist on itself. Suffering can't exist on itself. Pain can't exist on itself. There has to be good. The individuals that shot up Walmart, they, 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 they made a decision to do bad. They made a decision to, be, to do evil. So if there's evil, there's good. If there's good, there has to be a, a, a moral code. You know, we were, we were in the city yesterday, myself, my father, a couple of individuals, and Dr. Nard was in MSNBC with Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton was talking about the moral, uh, the morality or the moral code of, of, of America and where we are, especially with, you know, certain things being spewed over Twitter and things like that. And, and the question was, where are we morally? See, the problem with, with, with where we are morally is because everybody wants their own truth. So what's true for you is true for, for, for not, and it doesn't have to be true for me. See, but that's, that doesn't make no sense. Because when, when, when somebody is shooting up a Walmart, if, if, if what's true for me is true for then that person who shot the Walmart shouldn't be penalized. Because that was his truth. Right? That was his, his morality. That's where he lied. That's where he stood. He should be okay. We shouldn't prosecute him. We shouldn't look to get him back for this. Because if your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth, then his truth is his truth. And he's justified for what he did. So we look at the moral landscape of America. And what do we have to do as Christians? We have to appeal to a higher moral code. See, morality speaks to God because in order for us to live a moral life, there has to be somebody that lives outside of humanity to present this idea of good. So when we look at the, 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 the whole idea of your code and my code and your morals and my morals, you can't tell me. Because if I get up and slap you, then I should be okay. Right? That's my truth. My truth is you deserve the slap. <laughs> and I shouldn't be penalized for it. I shouldn't get, I get charges of assault because of that. 
but only when it benefits the individual, then all of our truths have to match up. Only, it's funny, at Hurricane Sandy, we're going out there helping individuals, and I go to one of the schools where they were um, housing individuals. I said, wow, this guy is a multimillionaire. And this guy is broke. And look at the irony. They're sharing the same area. Sleeping on two separate beds right next to each other. When you're relegated to the bare essence of humanity, then you want to link arms and say, no, there's a commonality in our truths. You deserve better than this. But when things are good, my truth is my truth. You know why? Because my truth doesn't hold me accountable. So we argue. We have a problem with free will. It says God created us with free will to present a relationship, a true, authentic relationship with him. If it wasn't for free will, we wouldn't be able to have that. We'd just be robots, drumming to the beat, moving to our orders. And it couldn't be that connection. So where Jesus says, nevertheless, see, if there were robots, if there were individuals that were just dealing with, you know, on commands and they were living life, you know, to the beat, Jesus wouldn't be nevertheless. Jesus would have never looked at the Garden of Gethsemane stressing, but he looked at it and said, wow, you're right. There is only one way, and I accept it for Jamal. I accept it for his kids. I accept it for CCC. I accept it for the CCC Long Island. I accept it. All because free will was a freedom to truly love God. And I got six minutes. I didn't go and do any of my notes. But I'm going to give you a statement. I'm going to give you quick three things. Number one, when you're dealing with the problem of evil, understand that God still is in control, in spite of. And what does that mean? What does control mean? That he has a bigger picture. And ultimately, we're dealing with eternal life here, individuals. People say, oh, the he- the heaven is the destination. No, heaven is not the destination. In the presence of God is a destination. Because if, 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 if heaven was a destination, we wouldn't need Jesus. It would be just a local, a local place to be in. But the destination is in the presence of God. That's where he wants us. That's where he wants us. He wants us in his presence. He wants us to, he wants to be, like you, know, like you take your kids and say, let's have family dinner. Let's be in the presence of one another. And what does your mother say when you're coming from outside playing? Go wash up. Don't come to this table until you wash up. That's what God's saying to us. Go wash up. But the only way you can wash up is through the blood of my son. So when God is in control, it may not look like it might be hard to accept, but I'm telling you, there's a plan and a reason. I still don't know the reason for my brother's death, but I still know that God is in control. Number two, all things. Say all. All things. Say all. All things work together for the good of those who love them. 
if you don't believe that text, you're going to have a problem living life. Because you're going to get hit with some things that's going to rock your world. So my question is, I didn't really fuss with God when my brother died. I said, okay, Lord, how is this going to work for the good of Jamal Bernard? How is this going to work for the good of Dr. Bernard? How is this going to work for the good of his kids that need him? Because I believe in the scripture, but now my question is, how is this possible? How is this going to happen? That's why people say, well, well, well God sent this and God sent that. And, and, and. No, slow down there. You got some prominent individuals talking about God is sending certain, certain, certain devastations in your life. No, that's not how the God I work because the God I love and the God that I work with, the God that I work for, the God that I'm representing of, he works in the framework of love. And love is a benefit of others at the expense of self. So he's not sending some of these things that these pastors are saying that they're sending. But I tell you this, if he didn't send it, he can use it. So my dad taught me. He said, Jamal, God's not sending, you know, that accent in your way. God didn't send that accent to slow you down. Oh, God, maybe God's telling you something. Slow down. No, that person didn't know how to drive. <laughs> but people try to get deep and, and super spiritualize it. No. But the question is, how can you use this to benefit you? See, God's not a God that wastes. So number one, God's in control. Number two, all things. And number three, number three, when you're faced with doubt, don't run from it. Run to the word. I'm going to leave with this statement. Because what happens is crisis can put you in a place with doubt. And in, in, in the church, they were all, if you're doubting, you don't have enough faith. If God said, come let us reason together, there's some things that you're having questions about that he wants to reason out with you. So he tells you to come and have this conversation with him. Ask these questions. All you are, when you find yourself at doubt, it's because you have unanswered questions. Why would God? How can God? What kind of God? He says, no, don't run from me. Come, let's, let's reason this out. Let's have this conversation. Oz Guinness, I love it. I, I, I read this before, but it bears repeating. Put it this way. Faith does not feed on thin air, but on facts. Its instinct is to root itself in truth, to earth itself in reality, and thus distinguishes faith from fantasy. The object of faith from a figment of the imagination. This is always the way. The type of doubt is silenced by facts, answered by truth, and reassured by understanding. Truth is the only sufficient answer that faith can give that type of doubt. For it is the truth of the matter, the fact of the case, that gives faith its solid foundation. Deep questions require deep study. Deep questions require deep study. Christianity has something to do with facts and truth. So doubts of error are met by knowledge and study. So Osganis is saying, if you're doubting, it's okay. But meet it with some knowledge and some truth. And when we go to the text and the scriptures, the word says, I am truth. I am the truth, I should say. 
So meet your doubt with the true, authentic studying of the word. And I guarantee you, you'll find answers. If you don't find answers right away, I guarantee you, you'll find some peace. Because there's something, there's, there's nothing somebody can say. If you've lost somebody, you know that no matter what they say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't care how good God is at the time. Don't tell me God is good. Right now, that's not working for me. And it's okay to be at that place. But it's not okay to stay at that place. Because ultimately, you got to find his goodness. Say, so, okay, he is good. You're right. I'm sorry for, for, for being upset. But Lord, you are good. Let's, let's reason this out. Let's rationalize this out. I got one more quote I want to give you before we end. Charles, see who said it. Charles Hummel, he said this as we end. He said, a strong faith can emerge through a siege of doubt. Both holiness and faith are forged in the fires of temptation. He said, both holiness and faith emerge. So basically, when we deal with catastrophe, when we deal with things outside of our control, we have to sit in a comfort that there's a bigger picture. Because we can be okay with stepping on an ant, but let somebody else die and we win that tension. Things are gonna happen that's out of our control. Things are gonna happen that we can't deal with. But please believe you me, the facts pan out, the evidence pan out. Existentially, it pans out and says that God is in control. It pans out. And don't worry, you keep walking this walk, you'll see things. And you'll find yourself with God saying, okay, I know, I know you told me so. Because he'll start bringing some things back to you. So, wow, okay, Lord. So let's stand. And I give you a basic understanding. We can go more in depth with this whole idea. But the reality is that God created this feasible world, created a plan that the most human lives will walk into eternity. Understanding there's going to be individuals that say no. And some people say, why would God send, you know, uh, millions of people to hell? God's not sending them there. They chose to go there. Here's a statement for you. You ready for the statement? It was, it was profound. It impacted me so much. A gentleman by the name of Frank Turk said this. And he said it this way. He said, God loves you so much. God loves you so much so that he will not even force you into heaven. Think about that. God loves you so much so that he will not force you into his presence. Think about that. 
So the ultimate place is out of his presence. That's why I love you. He said, you choose. So as we, the music is playing, if there's anybody in here that says, wow, that struck a chord, especially those individuals going to college and say, yeah, I, I, need, a, I need this relationship with God. I, 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 want, I, want, I want to choose. If he loves you so much, I want to choose his presence. I want you to raise your hand. Second thing is, if you're in here and you've dealt with something and you start dealing with some doubt or you, you start getting frustrated with God because things didn't work out, you didn't get the job you prayed for, you, you, know, you, you, you know, this happened or that happened, I want to pray with you. I want you to raise your hand and say, Lord, I want you to deal with some stuff in my heart. And the third prayer is, if you're in here and you're dealing with somebody that has dealt with situations and they need a word in season, they need some encouragement, I want to pray for you that God will touch you to be able to articulate this peace that will transcend all understanding through this relationship with God. I want you to raise your hand. So as we power our heads, we pray. Father God, thank you so much. For you are a good God, you're a wonderful God. And there's some of us in, in, in this building or watching online that does not have a relationship with you, Lord. So right now, Lord, we ask that you come into our hearts. Enter into a relationship with us. An authentic relationship because I choose you. And I say thank you for revealing yourself to me. Lord, and then we have individuals in here that, that have dealt with some stuff and, and it was even asking that question, okay, Lord, why me? And I ask, why anybody? Or I'll ask, why not you? So Lord, I pray for these individuals that just anoint them afresh, just touch them. Give them some understanding that, that, that you are still in control. Give them a peace to know that you have a bigger picture. And with that bigger picture, Lord, we ask that you just have your way. Give us a sense of peace, a sense of understanding. Lord, and there's a third group of individuals that are in here that they said, Lord, I got individuals that I need to encourage. They're dealing with some stuff. Lord, I pray that you just anoint them afresh, articulate this faith, touch their tongue to speak a word in season. Lord, just, just, just move in their lives, Lord, that you even present the opportunity for them to, to, to communicate their faith, to communicate that there's this God that is in control, all-powerful, all-loving. And he sent his son on their behalf. So, Lord, we just anoint the whole church from the crown of our heads to the sole of our feet. Just touch us and, and, and prepare us to be that light in this world, to be that salt in this world. Because we never know what we're stopping when we minister this word to somebody else. 
So Lord, I pray and ask that you have your way. Embolden us to speak. Embolden us to invite individuals back to church. And Lord, once again, we say thank you for the youth of CCC. Thank you for the heads of protection. But Lord, we look forward to hearing the good stories about what you're going to do in their lives as they're out there ministering. So we say thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Come on, as we leave, say it like we mean it. This Bible. This Bible. Oh, come on. I said like we mean it. This Bible, this Bible is our primary source of faith. Source of faith. This, Bible this Bible is our rule of conduct. Rule of conduct. This, Bible this Bible creates a lens that we see life through. As we leave this place with never God's presence, Jesus is Lord, period. We believe it, we proclaim it, and we're seeing it come to pass. God bless and enjoy the rest of your Sunday.